This is Talking Asset Management with KPMG. In today's episode, we focus on treaty structures and credit funds. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining this episode of Talking Asset Management. This is our credit focus series, and today I'm joined by my colleagues Pat Brooks and Sam Riesenberg to talk about treaty structures and how we are seeing some clients consider this avenue when structuring their funds. These are pretty complicated and not for everyone. Yeah, I mean, Scott, what I would what I would say is, is that we, we've been talking about all sorts of uh, different issues associated with credit funds, and in particular, how foreign investors are are impacted by this. So maybe we'll just start out level setting, Sam. Maybe what are what are Ford investors trying to accomplish with all this stuff? Just a level set uh, for this call. Yeah. So the what what foreign investors are really interested in is how do you get access to to U.S. Uh, credit exposure at the front end, at the loan origination end. As, as we've discussed in other podcasts, that creates the risk uh, and the very real risk of you having a branch in the U.S. If you have a branch in the U.S., you're going to be subject as a non-U.S. person to full tax in the U.S. as if you were essentially a U.S. person. So what you ideally want to do is be able to get access to those economics of of loan origination as much as possible without the taxation of a branch. And treaties in certain instances can help you do that. And by the way, just so the listeners know, Sam's going to get peppered by both Scott and I. So this is <laughs> going to be a two-on-one thing going on here. But uh, go ahead, go ahead, guys. For sure. So you know, you know, in, in some previous podcasts, we talked about some structuring and, and, and other things. Um, may, maybe compare a little bit. You know, this between you know season season sell or levered blocker, and and and, and you know what are the benefits here? Yeah. So so if we if we kind of take those in reverse order, a, a leverage blocker basically has the U.S. corporation uh, is the one that that suffers tax and then through the leverage returns some of those economics, but it has a, a tax drag, if you will, of the of the U.S. tax in that that corporate blocker. So the branch if is is encapsulated in that that U.S. corporation and and the tax is suffered in that U.S. corporation. In a season and sell structure, what we're we're basically saying is that that somebody else is doing the loan origination, and so when you're acquiring those those loans, you're acquiring those loans without the activities that create the branch uh, type risk. And and the the issue with both of those is uh, uh, really the economics. In the leverage blocker, we we have the 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 economics being taxed in the U.S. corporation, so you're suffering more tax in that structure uh, than if you didn't pay any any tax in a uh, in, in a uh, a season sell structure because somebody else is doing that that origination. Oftentimes, you're not able to capture all of the economics of loan origination as the the person that's acquiring that loan while someone else makes that loan. So a, a treaty structure, by contrast, if if done correctly, has potentially a, a much lower tax drag, um, and uh, you're you're getting those those origination economics. You know, it's interesting, guys. Scott, I don't know about you, with with uh, I have a lot of clients who continue to look at at treaties. They really do, um, and some are really implementing them and doing a really good job. But I think others 
have said, hey, I, I know how season and sell works. I know how leverage blocker works. I, I know how that stuff works. And so there's like, I'm, that's just easier for me to do. But I, I will say the one thing that my clients have found out, and Scott, I'm curious about yours, is when they start looking at treaties, treaty sounds great, but th- there's there's a lot of like stuff you have to deal with. And they sometimes wind up saying, you know what? The treaty isn't the, the way I want to go right now. I don't know what you how you've been with that. Yeah, no, definitely. And especially once you start talking about the governance around how, you know, you need to, to you know, set up guidelines and, and act within those, you know, it gets pretty complicated and, you know, it does sound great and, uh, you know, the, the no tax aspect, but definitely there's a lot of uh, pitfalls and, and things that, that people need to, to look out for when, when setting these up. So um, speaking of setting them up, Sam, how, how do they set these things up and, and like where are they domiciled and things like that? Nice segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I I don't know that we have enough time on this call to to go to go through all of the different things, but let's cover off a couple key points, right? So, treaty treaty funds can can come in in a couple different flavors. So the the first one, and, and maybe the easiest is that that you're you're doing your loan origination in a way that the investor themselves can access their treaty. In, in doing this. And this can come through a separately managed account or a so-called fund-to-one structure uh, or, or what we, we might refer to as a bring-your-own treaty structure. Essentially, the, the last one being a partnership with a bunch of, of investors that each one of them has access to a treaty uh, in, their, in their own jurisdiction. And what's great about that uh, is that it's a very simple structure uh, uh, that that can be obtained relatively easily, and if you are a uh, a U.S. manager, for example, and you have treaty-based uh, uh, capital that can invest, uh, then this might be a very elegant solution for you. However, there's other solutions that that you know potentially are also on the table. If we go to the other extreme of structuring, you have treaty structures that exist within the fund complex to some degree. And so you have to set those up and set those up in a way that that doesn't, uh, uh, you know, that can get treaty access and doesn't run afoul of some of the the pitfalls, uh, Scott, as as you mentioned. I see people looking all sorts of jurisdictions. And we talked about the UK quack, right? Yep. yep. Um, we hear about Luxembourg and, and we hear about Ireland. Uh, it it's all over the place. I mean, there has to, it's not just tax we're talking about here. There has to be a lot more than just tax. That, that, that's exactly right. So, you know, you, you mentioned three, three different jurisdictions. All of them are, are interesting uh, when we're talking about a potential treaty uh, entity within a, a fund complex or investing, you know, uh, uh, aggregating the investor capital. So the, the UK is very interesting and new on the scene, if you will, with their qualified asset holding company. Uh, that we're, we're very actively looking at that for loan origination. We think that there's a, a great way to do that, uh, potentially more than one way. So that's that's really interesting. We're working very closely with our UK colleagues on that. Uh, the the one that that's used a lot now is the, uh, the Irish uh, ICAF. Uh, and uh, the the ICAV has just become really dominant in, in this space in terms of when you're looking to to collect uh, investment into the U.S. This is a, a, a you know a one that's that's really been shortlisted and has has become you know probably 
the 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 really dominant one on the scene. And then Luxembourg uh, is is really a a great investment jurisdiction. Uh, and uh, the what we we see Luxembourg used for certainly in what we call the inbound treaty space into the U.S. is is really a lot of the times for these so-called bring your own treaty structures. Luxembourg has has really you know been been really good for that because they have some great partnership vehicles that we can use uh, you know in in those cases to to aggregate that capital. My, my mind's racing on all sorts of different questions I can ask here. So I, I maybe it's there are business challenges though. Like the, to to meet the treaty, it's not just literally, hey, I I, I organize a company in uh, Luxembourg and I'm going to run everything through that. It's not that simple. So there's a lot of business considerations that have to be taken in, into account. That's exactly right. It's just uh, the the business tax considerations, if you will, are are at least threefold. So you need first off a, a good resident resident entity. Uh, and that's defined under the treaty. So, you know, in, in Luxembourg or Ireland, for for example, you need to find an entity that is considered tax resident in that jurisdiction. The second thing you need to do uh, is meet the limitation of benefits test. So, if 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 it's someone bring their own capital and they're a pension fund, for example, in that jurisdiction, they're probably going to meet the the limitation of benefit test themselves. Uh, however, if it's an entity that that's being set up for this purpose. Then oftentimes, what people rely on is the the beneficial ownership of that entity uh, qualifying, and that's usually done in in one of two ways: either a majority of the capital is in that jurisdiction, uh, or uh, that jurisdiction and U.S. capital, um, or alternatively, is uh, a so-called derivative benefits test: the 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 ninety five percent. Uh, is owned by seven or fewer uh, uh, residents of the generally the European Union, European Economic Area, um, and, and so you know that's another way you you could meet the, that requirement. But you that that's the second part. The third part, uh, and you can see that this is getting complicated already. Yeah. But then there's even a third part, which is probably the hardest part to meet uh, in many structures, which is we need that entity to uh, not have a branch in the U.S. And of course, somebody in the U.S. is probably doing some loan origination activity. So anyone that is in the U.S. doing that kind of activity needs to be independent of that, that, uh, that, that structure or that, that corporation, that tax resident entity. So you need to meet all three of those requirements to be able to get to a place where you can eliminate federal taxation uh, in in the loan origination structure, very very interesting stuff. So, what what is what are the potential challenges tax regulatory bodies can make here? So, the, there's there's several challenges. Right, starting with there's so many different requirements to be able to even get into this. They can challenge at any one of those requirements, and they only need to be able to successfully challenge one to get to to get through. So, in different treaties, for example, and. We've been talking about Ireland and, and Luxembourg and the UK. All of those treaties are different, and there's small nuances in in, in their their uh, in, in the way that they are interpreted and their language. Each one, when negotiated with the US, is is unique. So you know they're not going to be the same, uh, and and so there there might be a, a a reason to go with one or the other. There might be challenges in in using one or the other. The the uh, the, the next set of challenges and the one that that we tend to worry a lot about is 
whether the independent agent uh, arrangement is set up correctly. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of nuances to that. And that's where we probably spend most of our time negotiating these structures. Um, and that's where, where much of our, our concern lays around whether that's set up correctly. Yeah, that's, I would say the independence piece is, is the one that we, we really do substantive. Uh, you have to be, have substance where you're at. I mean, you have to have people there. You have to be doing things. I mean, that's even, and, but the second thing is the substance uh, outside of that is the independence and that's both economic and legal, right, Sam? That, that's exactly right. So, so you know, the, the independent agent test uh, in, in U.S. treaties is, is generally referred to as a two-part test, right? We need uh, an economic uh, and, a, and a legal test being met, and you have to meet both of them. And the, they're going to have different challenges for different types of, of managers. So imagine a, a very large manager, right? The, the, they can say, well, we, we definitely could meet the economic test because we manage a lot of other capital. Uh, and, and this one is not so dominant as to, to look like it has an economic nexus that controls by its, by its substance, the, the relationship. On the other hand, a, a very large manager might be more compelled and have internal controls that, that say that I can't give up a lot of that control in that relationship for, from a legal perspective. And so those become bigger challenges, perhaps with those types of managers, while you might have the flip side with a smaller manager that they're they're going to be more nimble on being able to create that legal independence but you know they they might not have the fa- the, the facts and the framework to to be able to accomplish the economic so e- each one you really have to take uh, uh you know um de novo if you will on its own and and compare whether whether it, it can meet those those requirements so i know um when i when i um first started hearing about treaty structures um i, I thought you know there's a a fantastic vehicle to uh, to consider. Um, definitely a lot of pitfalls. I know the one that, that took me by surprise uh, at first was um, is why are my state and local partners involved in this discussion? Um, if it's treaty treaty eligible, why why would why would states matter? That's 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 really that's a that's a very good point. That's a, a surprise that 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 keeps coming up, right? Um, so the the interesting thing about the U.S. tax treaties is that they don't apply to states. Um, the UK tried, by the way, to to uh, have it applied to, to to U.S. states. Interestingly, when they negotiated, the U.S. Re- rejected that ultimately. But uh, so so no um, no U.S. tax treaty applies to states. So states are free under their own laws to choose to follow the treaty, or to not follow the treaty, or to follow the treaty um, in certain uh, in, in certain instances. So therefore, um, you you end up having uh, a lot of the time state tax. In these structures. So if you go back to when we we're talking about leverage blocker and it suffers some tax, it's appropriate to also think about these, these structures as potentially suffering tax too, but the tax is only in the form of state tax. And that presents some interesting issues, right? If we have state tax now, but we don't have federal tax, then maybe we need to be starting to think about a state tax efficient structure, right? And you start putting efficiencies into the structure to manage state taxes, you might have state tax filing obligations you need to manage. And you're basically working through all of those different pieces. Uh, and, and in the end, you, you, you need to compare your treaty structure um, to maybe a leverage blocker structure and say, well, am I really getting a tax savings because maybe I'm paying more state tax? Maybe not, depending on how you set up that structure. And the state tax burden ultimately is is to some degree where your manager is, but a big degree is where your your investments uh, are, your borrowers are. 
Uh, and so it's going to be different for, for everybody. So one of the first things that we ten- generally tend to do when we're talking to uh, somebody that's saying, I'm potentially interested in a treaty structure, we say, okay, well, where are you going to be lending? A lot of the times they don't know. So we have to kind of gauge it and we have some thresholds where we can think about it. But uh, that's going to be a big piece of, of modeling this out is whether it's the right structure to you. So, Sam, I know we're out of time. This was this was great. A um, lot of good a lot of good stuff here to consider. And uh, I think you gave a great uh, overview and, and, and things to uh, to think about for our clients. And I know I know my, my I have a lot more questions in my head um, that uh, I'd, love, I'd love to ask you. But I, I do I do know we're out of time. So I appreciate it. And um Thanks everybody for for joining us today. And um, if you have any questions or other other topics you'd like to hear about, feel feel free to reach out to uh, to anybody, um, me, Sam, or Pat. We'd, we'd love to uh, to chat with you about um, what you're seeing and what you'd like to talk about. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening to Talking Asset Management with KPMG. Be sure to subscribe to this series and visit read.kpmg.us/talking-asset. Dash Management for more information.